Hello and welcome to the Tuesday program. We'll get you ready for what's going to be taking place Tuesday night in Gainesville. The Bulls baseball team taking on the Florida Gators, although there's some thunderstorms in the forecast, go figure, considering last year's regional, although we had the ultimate result out of it, featured plenty of weather-delayed games. In fact, we only had one straight-through game in that entire thing, any game of the regional, so who knows. But we'll be headed on a bus to Gainesville today for that one for you. We, of course, have weekly honors in softball. Guess who's the pitcher of the week? But another player was picked for the weekly honor roll, and i got to tell you, it was a little, you know, I'll always tell you when I think a bull should be on the honor roll and when they're not, and I'm not going to say Megan Piero should not have been, but I'm going to tell you, there was something interesting about the American Athletic Conference weekly honor roll that we'll point out for you. We'll also give you the news, and I knew this early on Tuesday as head coach Bob Butehorn of men's soccer put out an email to the staff about a new assistant coach, and they officially announced it later on on Tuesday, a former Bull coming back to be a coach for men's soccer. Definitely plan on talking to Bob Butehorn and this individual that we'll tell you about here shortly. Also, a new member of the staff was officially introduced with an office and whatnot yesterday. We mentioned before about Lee Butler. That's happening, and more details to come because you're going to hear a lot more of Lee Butler with Michael Kelly. The new Bull Speed Ahead will be taping tomorrow. We're also going to plan tomorrow to talk to Steve Bradley and Men's Golf, hoping they're picked for the NCAA tournament like we did yesterday with Ashley Fisher of Men's Tennis, along with Bruno Oliveira. You'll hear those conversations in our next segment, but we'll tell you now that, indeed, the Bulls are in the NCAA tournament. And if you've been listening to this show and watching me on Twitter, you were not surprised at their draw because they are again going to the University of Florida. They have been there a handful of times in the NCAA tournament. They've been beaten by the Gators a handful of times. We'll hope that changes, but uh, to get to the Gators, they're going to have to beat Miami first. That's who they drew, and we'll tell you more about that in our second block. Today, the baseball team going up against the Florida Gators, and that will, of course, be a rematch of the last time these teams played in the NCAA tournament last year when the Bulls put it on Florida, and they would end up getting stunned by South Alabama, gave up a 21 spot in the next round, and saw their season come to an end. Neither team is having the season they'd hoped for this year. We'll get more to the Gators in just a second. But I said we'd talk a little bit more about the baseball team and You knew that something was missing this last weekend, namely enough offense against the Houston Cougars, who did, as I foretold, get the player of the week in the American Athletic Conference, Zach Arnold. They also had a guy, Ian McMillan, and this is to Houston's credit, by the way. They would have a couple of innings where it looked like they were going to come away empty, that's for sure. As we give you a few more highlights from the weekend, uh, this is definitely a great sequence uh, from both teams' perspective. I think this catch definitely deserves getting replayed. It's one of those where, you know, you're losing 9-2, you get swept. If you're the USF Baseball Twitter page, you're not going to put out a bunch of videos. But this was an amazing catch, and yet you're going to hear what followed it to show you how even when the Bulls looked like they were getting somewhere against Houston, the Cougars had an answer to Houston's credit. So now it is Cameron Nickens hit that ground ball to Lane that led into the rundown. What do they officially score that at as the rundown? Nickens reached on fielder's choice, goes to second. Lopez advanced to third. Arnold out at home, third base to catcher to third base to pitcher. That's what happened last time this guy was out. Basically a ground ball. Golf's that one to right field. Cantu going back on it. And whoa, what a catch! How did that happen? Look what I found. I mean, folks, 
Houston should be ahead right now. And I've got experience with these matters. And is the Bulls the offensive team in said cases? Daniel Cantu just stuck out his glove almost like you would for show. Like you know it's going to get by you. But, you know, just in case. And he makes the catch. The Cougars can be the team that struggle with the runners in scoring position today. Curveball hit deep to left field. Are you kidding me? No, you're not. Home run. It was a fastball that he took out the last time. It was a curveball that time. And so much for their issues with runners in scoring position. McMillan is second home run of the day. And just like that, it's five to two. So that's what was going on. Houston had bases loaded, none out in the first, held to one. They scored one in the second, but ran themselves out of it trying to steal home. And then it sounded like, as you heard, the Bulls were going to keep them to zero after that great catch by Cantu in the third. Then Ian McMillan, who had never had a career two-homer game, this is the fourth year of his career, had one homer in his first two seasons, three last year, and none before conference play this year. And then in the sixth inning, when it was still within range at 5-2, to two, Joaquin Monquet catches a runner stealing, and they've got nobody on and two outs. Going again. That might have been a hit and run. He misses the pitch. Did they get him on the backside? They did. Wow, Bobby Boser has had some adventures out there at second base, but he gets a nice tag down to nab Burkell, and the base paths are wiped off. Houston has not committed an error this weekend. Bulls have two today. Youngsters are fired up. Sun covering basically the first half of rows of seats. Most people are sitting in the last half of rows of seats on both sides, although some people are just soaking in the sun. Oh, man, that ball is drilled to left field. Could it be another home run? Going back on it are two balls and watching it sail out of here. So I hinted at it before. Arnold could be in line for American Athletic Conference Player of the Week if he does something else today, and he just did something else. Took one out of here, make it six to two. So Houston coming up definitely big. They are hitting nearly 300 as a team in conference play, and they're only a game out of the lead of East Carolina. Meanwhile, the Bulls in this series, exactly one hit in each game with runners in scoring position, one for seven in each of the first two games, including the close Friday loss, six to five. Crazy, it happened a second straight time like it did the previous Saturday against Cincinnati, the exact same score and a run rule loss in seven innings, 13 to two. In both games, even though the opponent had 11 more runs, the Bulls left more runners on base. It shows that they're not getting shut down per se, they're just not coming through in the clutch spots. And then on Sunday, try one for 12 with runners in scoring position. Now the one, I think, could be significant. Let's see if the Bulls' bats can get it going. They had some clutch two out hits in the Sunday win Last week, it didn't start off 19 to five, obviously. It got going early with some hits in situations like this. Two and two, and it's lined, it's gonna get through! And by the third baseman, and indeed, Jared Eaton does come through with runners in scoring position. It's a two-run double, and we are tied. Just stuck the bat out. Arnold, he's got his head down over there, thinks he should have made that play, but it just had enough, and the Hit that the Bulls have been waiting for takes place. And great job, Eaton. We all remember how clutch he was. He just hasn't had the same production this year. A couple of freshmen have sort of jumped ahead of him in the outfield rotation. 
and yet Eaton is starting to make some noise, and that would be very welcomed by the Bulls. And before we get into a little bit about tonight's opponent and situation, the numbers for the series. Remember that Sunday game where everything went their way? They had 19 runs against Cincinnati. Now, you're not going to score 19 runs every time. You're not going to have 21 hits every time. But in that game, Bobby Bozer, three hits, four RBI. Jackson Mayo, three hits, three RBI. Carmine Lane, two hits, three RBI. Sonny Rayo, four hits and two RBI. So those four names I just mentioned in one game combined for 12 hits. In the series against Houston, three games combined, three for 37. If you said, give me a estimate about those four members of the team I just mentioned, how many hits they're going to have in the series. I mean, you'd start with 10. You'd say, well, they're probably all going to get a hit. At least three of them are going to get a hit every game in three, three, nine, ten. Yeah, three total for 37. And Carmine Lane was 0 for 12 in the series. Came up with the bases loaded in a situation in the blowout loss where the Bulls could have gotten back into it. Came up with a chance to actually drive in the tying run with one out in the ninth and ground it out, and the Bulls would lose that game by a run. Carmine Lane is not going to go 0 for in many series. In fact, he's only done it twice, and it was the two series that the Bulls got swept in. So my point is, I think the pieces are there. We just showed you their past credentials, but this past weekend, Lane 0 for 12, Mayo 0 for 5, did not start on Sunday. The best hitter for the Bulls was Nick Gonzalez, 6 for 10 with two runs and a homer. Yeah, we just told you about Houston's shortstop, Ian McMillan, all of a sudden hitting the ball hard. Well, the Bulls definitely have that going on with Nick Gonzalez. If you didn't know, he is actually, along with Sonny Rayo, their top hitter in conference play. But as a team overall, the Bulls are hitting 249 even though Gonzalez and Rayo are both in the 390 range. Tonight, it's the Florida Gators, and we all know the Gators are used to hosting regionals, and I don't think they're going to do that this year, even though their RPI is still in the top 20. They are 8-13 and 13 in the conference. Now, the conference is the SEC, and you're playing ranked teams pretty much every other series. They went into conference play at 13-4, and four, Actually, their last pre-SEC game was a loss to Seton Hall, which was 0-12, and went on to lose its next six games. So that was a little unusual. I did look at Seton Hall. They have since gone around 500 once they've gotten to the Big East. Real quick side note, UConn, of course, former American Conference team now in the Big East, is their best team in both baseball and softball. But if you look at the RPI, that Big East might just get a couple teams in and baseball and just one in softball. Anyway, the Gators went into conference play, but it was noteworthy that they had lost that Sunday game to Seton Hall because they have lost two key members of their starting rotation. And Pierce Coppola was supposed to be their Sunday starter, and instantly he got hurt, back injury, after just one outing. And then lately, Hunter Barco, who was their ace, injured. So, of course, you're not going to face their ace in a midweek game like we have tonight, but they have been facing big-time obstacles when it comes to losing pitchers due to injury. They did start off conference play winning a series at Alabama. Then they lost a series 2-1 to LSU, got swept at Georgia, but would take two of three from second-ranked Arkansas at the time, so that was when you thought they had it back in order. But they would follow that with a midweek loss at FSU 5-0. They went to Vanderbilt, lost two of three, and then got swept, granted, by the number one team in the country at home by Tennessee. Now, last weekend, 
They rebounded with wins of 9-2 and 9-1 against Kentucky again before losing their Sunday game. But added all up there below 500 in the conference. Last year, they won every conference series until the last weekend of the season. So they've got the bats, but not the arms per se, as they normally do. Speaking of bats, yeah, they're one of the best teams in the country with the home run ball. They have 77 as a team, led by Judd Fabian. 16 home runs and a 446 on base percentage because he's so feared. He has walked 45 times. They have two other players with double digits and homers. Wyatt Langford has 14. BT Ryopel has 12. They have four individuals with at least 34 RBI, including their batting average leader, Sterling Thompson, who is hitting 335. They hit 272 as a team. Not sure who's going to pitch as we're taping this. It's likely going to be a bullpen night. I wouldn't, though, be surprised if we see Orion Kirkring. He only pitched a little bit in the Friday game against Houston. And I think stage like that, you'd love to see Orion Kirkring get a chance. We'll be on the air at 545. And again, weather permitting, we'll get the whole thing in. I see thunderstorms supposed to roll into Florida later on tonight. Rolling along as the American Athletic Conference Pitcher of the Week is Georgina Cork. We had so many softball highlights yesterday. We don't need to give you any on this show. You kind of know what she did. She threw the perfect game in the first game against the Houston Cougars, and she kept on pitching the entire weekend. It was very memorable. We're continuing to replay those games for you on USF Bulls Unlimited. What I thought was interesting was Megan Piero making the weekly honor roll, and nothing against her. She had the big two RBI hit in the perfect game, and then she had a hit in every game. But she had three hits. Alana Rivera also had three hits, and I thought had some great at-bats would have been a candidate. But if you go to the American Athletic Conference website, theamerican.org, you'll notice that, I think this is the only time it's happened this year, there are only four players on the honor roll, and it's not for lack of candidates. Wichita State scored 24 runs, hit 10 homers as a team. Now, they're Addison Barnard, who was amazing again, was the player of the week. They had another player by the name of Zoe Jones who had four homers and 12 RBI in the series, and she was not on the honor roll, which apparently had room for one more on it. So my theory, and I could be completely off base on this, is that maybe the conference was kind of frowning upon them. I don't know how you call off the dogs in softball, honestly, but maybe not glorifying and maybe sort of saving face a little bit for East Carolina, which was on the wrong end. Of that, but that was a little unusual, and I'm glad to see Megan Piero, the Steinbrenner High kid, get honored as well. We said there's a new member of the soccer staff. We'll tell you who that is when we come back. Then we'll get into my interviews after the men's tennis team was picked for the NCAA tournament. You'll hear Ashley Fisher and Bruno Oliveira, who has had a big role in their late season resurgence, one that turned out to be pretty vital to them making the tournament. That's next on Bulls Beat. <laughs> 